Well, I think over the last eight years, I've kind of developed a, a kinship-type relationship with the ministry and the folks of Spring Meadow Baptist Church. It's uh, kind of like coming back to old stomping grounds at this point. And uh, I'm, I want you to know from the bottom of my heart that I'm really honored every time your pastor uh, asks me to come back, even if he does prefer to be out of town, out of sight, out of mind. But uh, we joke about that because we're friends. But uh, thanks for showing pictures of their time over in Ireland. What a blessing. And I hope you, you know as well that uh, a number of these missionaries that they're visiting on this trip our missionaries with our mission board, uh, Daniel Peril, and uh, he'll be with um, Don and Joe Vanderhoof, and I forget who they're going to be with in London. I'm not sure about that, but uh, really glad uh, for their opportunity and that they're sharing it with you via the photos, and uh, we'll keep them in very much in prayer. I do not want to be long-winded tonight. And, uh, but don't hold me to that. That's always a preacher's famous last words, right? But uh, so glad that you're here. I want us to think about, for just a moment, something that I touched on briefly in the morning message. And that's this subject of the greatest commandment God has ever given to us, as recorded in Matthew chapter 22. So, just briefly, let's turn there by way of reference. This will not be the text, but just to set the stage for where I want to go tonight regarding this subject of love. Let's get our bearings with Matthew chapter 22 and read that familiar portion of three verses, verses 36 to 38 from Matthew chapter 22. There the Bible records for us these words, Master which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. You can read on there, verse 30, uh, or verse um, 39, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. How do we describe love? Well, listen to the words of two great fathers from the early church, the first being Augustine. Augustine answered the question, how do we describe love, by saying this. Love has hands to help others, feet to run to the poor and needy, eyes to see the suffering of others, ears to hear the cries of men. Another church father by the name of Chrysostom described love with these words. Heat makes all things expand. Therefore, love will always expand a person's heart. I want you to think with me. Back in time, of the words of Oscar Hammerstein. Remember Rodgers and Hammerstein? Oscar Hammerstein wrote these words. If you're familiar with the sound of music, you've heard it before. A bell is not a bell until you ring it. A song is not a song until you sing it. Love in your hearts 
It's not put there to stay. Love is not love until you give it away. Tonight, I want to focus on this subject of love. And throughout all my years of ministry, I have defined love in the same way. Love is the completely sacrificial giving of oneself for selfless reasons. Now let me ask you this evening, who does God love? Turn your Bibles if you would. Again, this will not be the text, but I'm setting the stage. Who does God love? Proverbs chapter 8. I want us to look at a couple verses here in Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. I want to answer this question by way of introduction. Who does God love? Proverbs chapter 8. Notice verse 17. I want you to engage this text with me. Let's read this out loud from Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17. Ready? Begin. I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Remember in John chapter 21, we're going to be going there, and that will be our text, but remember what happened in John 21. That's the passage where Jesus confronts his number one disciple, Peter. And he asked him that notorious question three different times, Peter, do you love me? What's the relevancy of asking such a question? Peter, do you love me? Jesus is actually asking, Peter, do you love God? What's the relevancy of asking? We'll stay here in Proverbs 8 and look at verse 21. Remember, He said in verse 17, I love them that love me. Jump to verse 21. That I may cause those that love me to what? Inherit substance. And I will fill their treasures. Let me ask you now to turn your Bibles to John 21 with these thoughts in your mind. As we consider tonight briefly a certain kind of love. A certain kind of love. John chapter 21. You know, when Jesus wanted to teach a lesson about love, he coupled rebuke with restoration in dealing with the apostle Peter. We all know before Jesus was crucified, it was Peter who jumped up and proudly stated, Lord, I'll never deny you. The old men deny you, never will I. However, it was Jesus who prophesied indeed that Peter would deny him indeed three times before the cock crowed, and that's exactly what happened. But here in John 21, I want us to read that very well-known passage, verses 15 to 17. Let's look at it at this time. John chapter 21, beginning of verse 17. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. 
He saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verse 17. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he saith unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. So as I've just read, we know Jesus asked Peter how many times? Three times, do you love me? However, I want to zero in on the very first time Jesus asked that question because he asked it in a very unique way by making a comparison. And I don't think we give this enough consideration. Go back to verse 18 and note the way Jesus asked this question, Simon Peter, son of Jonas, lovest thou me, what? More than these. I want us to contemplate as we consider a certain kind of love, this comparison by our Lord. Simon, do you love me more than these? That word these is the most important word in the phrase and it's what should prompt us to meditation the Greek word or the word these is to tone that's a demonstrative pronoun it's in the genitive plural form and when that happens it can refer to either people or things those are the only two options, people or things. But in this case, taking that logical proposition to its end, you've got the following options. You could apply the word these, they're people or fish. Now think with me. Imagine Jesus is asking one option, Peter, do you love me more than you love your fellow disciples? Hmm? Do you love me more than you love your fellow disciples? Now, that doesn't make much sense, and I'll tell you why. Because we're supposed to reserve our supreme love for God alone. That's why we started in Matthew 22 tonight. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. So that type of comparison doesn't make any sense. So maybe Jesus was wondering if Peter loved Jesus more than the other disciples loved Jesus. This also doesn't make much sense. Because nowhere in the scripture are we taught to compare and compete in our love for Christ. That can't be where Jesus is going. So at this point, eliminating the first two, you're left with the possibility that Jesus is referring to the fish. Remember, fish or people or things. And uh, fish or things, okay? Peter, do you love me more than these fish? But that, I think you'd agree with me, would be very odd. 
So maybe Jesus was actually referring to fishing as an occupation. That's something fishing. Ladies and gentlemen, somewhere in this, there is a correct observation, but a very wrong conclusion. So follow on. To get to the correct conclusion, we need to stay within the context of Scripture. So let's go back to the beginning of the chapter, and I want you to notice verse 3. Verse 3. In fact, let me read 4. Verse 3. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. He's fed up. And they saith unto him, We also go with thee. That's his fellow disciples. I'll tell you, you're affected by your comrades. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Verse 4. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. So after Peter's denial of the Lord, what did he do? He returned to his well-known profession of fishing. Listen. You may have times in your life when you work very hard, but nothing changes. You may be working on a very difficult marriage and nothing changes. You may be working with the struggles of dealing with teenagers and nothing changes. You may be trying to produce all that you can in your workplace to please your job, or your boss in the job, and nothing changes. What then? Pray on, brother. Stay faithful. Stay on task. I remind you of the words to the chorus, old song of Oswell J. Smith, Then Jesus Came. When Jesus comes, the tempter's power is broken. When Jesus comes, all tears are wiped away. He takes the gloom and fills my heart with glory for all is changed when Jesus comes to stay. So what was the result after that night of fishing? They caught nothing. But then what happened? Verse 4, we read it. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. And in verses 5 and 6, Jesus performs a miracle on their behalf. Verse 5, then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? And they answered, No. He said unto them, Cast the net on the other side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast their eye. And now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Turn with me to verses 10 through 13. And I want you to see the focus on the meal and notice upon the fish. Verse 10. Jesus saith unto them, Bring in the fish which ye have now caught. And Simon Peter went up and drew net, drew the net to land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three, and for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Verse 12. And Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then taketh bread, giveth them, 
and fish likewise. You know, for three years, Peter had followed this miracle-working Savior. Miracle after miracle. Feed the 5,000, feed the 4,000. Heal the leper and the blind and the dumb. And yet he had left all in order to follow that unlimited power and provision up into the cross. Yeah, you reach the cross and everything changed. Peter went into disillusionment. Then he failed God miserably. And seemingly in the heat of that trial, everything is lost. But then Jesus rose. And now you would expect, Peter, after seeing with his own eyes the resurrected Savior, you'd expect him to jump up like an Irish leprechaun, kick his heels together and say, Come, Lord, let's go. That's not what happened. In fact, we read what happened in verse 3. Simon Peter says unto them, I go fishing. He's fed up. We find Peter now more reserved than ever before. I think in Peter's soul searching, he might have thought something like this. You know what? There's got to be more to the ministry than this. No wonder. Peter, no wonder Jesus began his questions by doing what? Comparing loving God to the miracle of God's provision. Peter, do you love me? More than these? What was he doing? He was comparing loving God to the miracle of the provision of fish. Think with me. You know, I reflect often, and I, I, I remember well how I thought and how I felt when I first got into the ministry. I mean, I had a vision for how God could use me and what I wanted to accomplish for God. I dreamed of how God could use me, the size of ministry hopefully I could have. And then about midway through my second term in Singapore, that's when reality struck. And it was a very humbling experience, let me tell you that. The one day I'm there in my office and thinking about the fact that this ministry had not grown to the size I had dreamed of. And on my knees and in my handful of tears, King by myself, it's like the voice of God said, Pat, if you knew this is what I made you for and nothing more, would you still serve me? And through heaving brokenness, I said, yes, I would. You know, it's easy to find yourself very driven as a missionary when you're raising some I think of Brother Morrison and his family. I know what that's like on deputation. You watch your percentage of support grow and it's very moving and you get a vision and you want to get it all so you can get to the field. And you know, in the midst of out preaching as, a, as an evangelist or as a missionary, you see love offering after love offering and bigger ones and bigger ones and... Then you get to the field and you have building projects and you have big attendance days, one big achievement after another. And 
you know, pretty soon, you can find yourself living from one high to the next. Eventually, you can find yourself working for God rather than being with God. And you know, in the end, you're just a shallow soul because you've chosen the carnal blessings over deepening your roots in the love of God. Dear friend, we need to love our relationship with Jesus Christ more than our ministry for Christ. What I'm talking about here is your heartfelt motive for why you do what you do. You see, otherwise, ministry can become an addiction that ultimately warps our motivation for loving and serving God. We must never, like Esau, exchange our spiritual birthright for a bowl of pottage. So I ask you tonight, do you love the Lord? Do you love Jesus with all your heart? That's an essential question for every preacher, every Christian who in their heart wants to please God. See, loving God needs to be, in fact, it must be the highest priority in our life. He's given us his love, and it isn't love until we give it away. Father in heaven, I pray that you'll sow the seed of your word down deep into the reservoir of our soul. Help us to reflect tonight over our love for you, our love for Jesus Christ, our Savior. May there be nothing between my soul and my Savior. May there be no ministry blessing that would rob us of time alone with you being our greatest priority in life. You're so good, Lord. Help us just to keep trusting, keep praying, keep believing until you come, because you will come. You've promised. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your kind attention. You've been so good.